0: Four lies per second at the service of truth, or at the service of the attempt to find the truth. Michael Haneke. Hello, and welcome back to the Mirror. I'm Justin Reed, your host, and Today that I'm recording. It's a wonderfully rainy day here in North Queensland. I would say we don't see rain very often but honestly it kind of happens all throughout the year just in like dribs and drabs but for the last week pretty much straight it's just been yeah like this awesome gloomy mood and something about it just really evokes a lot of memories for me. I think it's probably because like you know when you're when you're a kid and you're younger, this time of year, um, when I'm recording, which is the summer here in Australia, maybe not when you're listening to it, but at least when I'm recording it, uh, this is our, our holidays, you know, over the Christmas period, and it's either really hot or it rains, and it just reminds me of, yeah, like growing up and the things that you know, you kind of go through as a kid and it brings back some good memories and maybe not some very good memories, some, some worse memories, but overall, like the whole feeling is just this very nostalgic and reflective mood. And honestly, I really like it even, you know, taking the good with the bad. And I just sort of wanted to uh, record a bit of an update and looking towards something new Um, which I may or may not on this episode go into a bit further. I'll see. You might actually be able to hear like the sounds of the rain and trees moving in the background. And I thought, you know what, I think that's um, a really nice touch. And I, I would like to add that. I mean, I would like to get to a point too in the future where I like can record some of these episodes outside because it's such a inspiring space to be in nature and to I guess, like, record your thoughts and like reflections on things somewhere that isn't just a, uh, you know, a a living room or or a dingy bedroom sounds pretty appealing, even though I do really like those spaces as well. And they are probably where a lot of my biggest inspiration comes from because, you know, I'm such an inside person. I'm such a, uh, I don't want to say an introvert, like, I'm an introverted person, but. I guess what they call an extroverted introvert in that I love to be out there. I love to be social and have friends, but I also uh, really, really value my alone time. And leading up to, uh, you know, the launch of this project, the sort of the last 12 to probably even 18 months, I've been living by myself. I lived in, I've lived in a few different places in north Queensland traveling for work you know um, that's both sort of like short-term travel and then also living in different locations for six to twelve months at a time and you would think it would be hard living in these small rural towns where there's not that much going on but like I really like it I really appreciate having the space and also like a new place to explore and sort of the the idea that no one really knows me here so there's no exact expectation of who I am and who I need to be that I can kind of create that from scratch as well at the same time Um, you know create art in a way that isn't influenced by the people around me which might sound like you know surely you'd want to be influenced by the people around you but I think you know I've spoken at length on this series already in in the episodes that I've released already about the kinds of work that's being created in the spaces around me, whether it's online, whether it's in person, you know, the fact that I have a large swath of creative and, and, uh, particularly, uh, filmmaker friends and, and, uh, colleagues and acquaintances, uh, but they're all not really focused on the art side of things. It truly is, uh, advertisement focused and content focused. And I think, you know, that's their career and that's how you make a living and that's how I've made a living and I'm not passing any judgment on that. But I can remember, like, I worked for a company for two years and because I'm the kind of person, I guess you could say, I'm um, a little bit of a, how would you say it? I don't know. I, I really like adapt to circumstances and sometimes, that's a positive, but other times it's quite a negative thing and that I sort of take on the worldview of those around me and it often leads me down a path. Like I've, I've felt this uh, pattern emerge in my life, this path where I kind of like realize a few months later that I'm like, why am I acting like this? You know, I don't believe these things. Um, really starting to question it. Whereas at first I don't I don't question it from the get-go. I don't sort of approach it from my own perspective. Um, you know, belief in myself, I guess it's, I guess it's, it comes from, you know, maybe not having the confidence to believe in yourself or to do it your own way. And I think what being alone has taught me is that I can, I can do that. I can do it my own way and I should do it my own way. And that, that comes from, you know, working around other people and them influencing you, but also, um, You know, social media like sort of if everyone's doing this then maybe you should be doing that and as I've learned just through time and through experimentation my own curiosity and research um, I'm not really interested in this in the kinds of things that those around me are interested in even though we exist in the same you know the same playing field we exist in the same industry but no one around me and this will sound somewhat elitist but it's not the way I mean it but like no one around me watches the kind of films that i watch they're not interested in the kind of things that i'm interested in and some some of those people are just you know really great friends of mine that they just do their own thing and that's what they're interested in and we talk about these things well the rain's really coming down heavy now but you know i'm keeping it in i like it um and and that that's just that you know they do their thing i do my thing we we get along we have a lot to talk about because we have differences of of opinion And then there's some other people that I've come across that are quite unpleasant in that they are really strong in their viewpoint and really want you to see it their way, like telling you you need to buy bigger and bulkier cinema cameras and you need to approach things this certain way. Um, Ironically, I found those same people are also the people that are less skilled at their craft. Um, I think it's like an overcompensation for their both their technical and creative ability not being as established and sort of I think they're they know that but they're kind of afraid to acknowledge it so they paper over it with you know better cameras and better equipment and strong viewpoints about about these things whereas I have some really strong viewpoints about these things but I don't really spend any time uh I I like to express them like you know I'm expressing them now but I don't like to express them on a personal level and sort of like try and sway someone to my opinion I more just want to represent you know this is how this is how I'm feeling and this is where I'm at with things because I find most people don't understand because it's not what they see in their social media feeds it's not um it's not exactly the the way that I guess you would call it like the orthodox approach you know whatever the or or mainstream approach I guess I just have come to terms with the fact that I'm never exactly going to fit into that you know the way that people like to approach equipment but also like how they tell stories and how they write stories yeah I'm more interested in in an alternative viewpoints and that's what's led me to this path of you know being interested in slow cinema and looking to other forms of art outside of just video and film itself for inspiration I uh I hope that the rain is not too bad I hope you can still hear me just fine uh it seems like it like it sounds all right to me but I can definitely hear that it's pelting down now but I don't really mind I just I just really had a feeling I wanted to jump on the mic and this is the first episode that I haven't really written anything down for it the other ones I usually write a couple of pages of dot points and notes and that keeps me going for a while whereas this is just you know pure expression the 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 weather really has caught my fancy so I guess we can call this a little bit more of an experimental art podcast (laughs) but yeah so um it's it's really an amazing uh time of year I guess to be in North Queensland although it can be bitterly hot um, it's even still kind of hot right now but this rainy weather just really gets me reflecting and thinking about these things and I guess I just wanted to share a few updates about what's been going on and and where I'm at with things and what I see some of the next steps are. Um, I've been sort of slowly and and I've had the idea for the last 12 months or so, but it's finally starting to solidify. I'm finally creating some uh, designs uh, for my new website, which will just be a personal website for me, Justin Reed, uh, as opposed to my No More Heroes website, which is my client, you know, my client focused website, which I'm really proud of because I I uh, learned how to build it myself using a platform called Webflow. I watched all these YouTube videos and bought three of these courses by this amazing web designer who's based in Israel uh, Sigal, and yeah like pretty much learnt you know 70% of the things I would need to know on how to build a website and I built most of it myself designing it and then actually developing it through the platform without any programming because it's a code-free platform and it was a really cool learning experience and then I, I paid someone um a few hundred dollars to just sort of put some finishing touches on it to fix some of the things that I could sort of knew that I could fix if I spent another 20 to 30 hours on it but I knew that I could just pay someone you know a few hundred dollars and they could just get in there and do it in a couple days and that's exactly what I did and I'm really proud of it Um, but since creating that and finishing it up sort of six months ago at the recording of this I've stopped uh well not even stopped like I just haven't had any client work coming through that and I've also been you know rethinking uh, or completely rethinking my uh desire to work with clients and as I've outlined on this project I I don't have any desire to do that anymore so I'm going to keep the website up and it will be like sort of an archive I guess or and, and I still do have some projects I'm working on that I I want to showcase on there, but I might eventually, and this was my goal in the first place, like my goal with it was I wanted to move from just being a generic filmmaker that did all kinds of advertisements to specializing in music videos. And I, I knew that this is my strongest thing because it's one of the more creative and, uh, um, I guess like less straightforward ways of making commercial films is to make music videos. So I knew that that is a strength of mine it's also like something that I was really interested in Um, the downside of this is that it's probably the least profitable and um, least lucrative market for making videos Uh, there's like a lot of industries there's sort of a few really high tier artists who will pay a lot of money but even that is sort of starting to go away as people can get really good results affordably and you know the market is flooded with a lot of people who do things for very cheap and free and that's not me trying to you know make an excuse like I've done really well and I've actually increased my money-making ability with that you know subset of clients especially by focusing on it and really tailoring my expertise and going beyond just making videos and becoming more of a like strategic consultant I guess you could say for musicians but this is like 2020 has been a terrible year for that because musicians haven't been able to tour they haven't been able to really get new projects off the ground and not being able to tour means there's no money coming in there's there's no incentive to be creating things so it's just been a dead year and I I don't have any regrets about that I'm glad I you know created that website and, and came up with the brand No More Heroes I'm really proud of it but in the initial coming up with it and as i was developing what i wanted it to be you know actually specializing in the area of music videos and and making any type of film for musicians it could be documentaries it could be advertisements it can be music videos and i have been innovating with those things with with some of my clients and i'm you know i i i'm really happy with how that's panned out i think it's really exciting but the plan was that over the next sort of three to five years I would specialize in music videos and then I would be able to build up a base of income that was large enough that uh, then I could go and actually create some of the narrative projects I wanted to make myself and transition No More Heroes from a music video production company to a narrative feature production company which is ultimately what I want to be doing you know I want to be making um high quality narrative films films that i'm writing myself films that i am directing and you know maybe filming but probably outsourcing the filming to other people and i guess what has happened in the last 6 months is that i've realized that like i can just go and do that now i can just start that that brand as it were with the films that i'm already creating and the things that i'm already creating and now knowing that I want to experiment with other forms of art, you know, installations and uh, building things. There's no real point in like continuing with the music video stuff for three to five years and then transitioning to it when I can just do it now. And so I'm really excited about that because I feel like it's kind of a weight off my shoulder. As much as I like the music video stuff, there's still that element of, you know, creating work for clients that I mean, I've talked about it at length, but it, it's it's just that reality that it's never going to be the same as you know your own ideas that you're bringing into the world and you know letting them stand on their own. they're not they're not hiding behind uh, some other brand or, or you know a musician's image or a band's image. They are just standing on their own. And I think that because they're going to be pretty experimental and pretty different they need their own place and No More Heroes doesn't really feel like that for me right now because they they come from me and I really want to be honest about, you know, what they, what they are and where they're coming from inside of me. So, I've been, that's a roundabout way of saying I've been slowly working on what the website will look like. I've kind of got a design language down pat now, which is really cool. Had a bit of a breakthrough the other day with what the actual, like, sales page for the films will look like, you know, because it's going to be, it's going to be a few things. It's going to be, uh, I guess a portfolio in a way, but it's more like a platform for people to be able to purchase and view the films that I make and the different art that I make. But there will also be a, a sort of membership platform tied to that where, you know, I'll create these works that maybe don't fit as a, a film that I necessarily think I want to sell for ten or twenty dollars. They might just be, you know, something more akin to these podcasts where they're just sort of a a little expression and they they don't sort of they're not they're not like what I would call a, a feature. And I don't mean feature in the terms of a 90 to two hour uh 90 minute to two hour long film. I just mean something that I want to feature and and sell. They may be something that I would maybe sell for a couple of dollars or I would just keep them behind The membership paywall and anyone who signs up as a member to support me and and, you know that's a a sort of critical component of that um, they'll be able to watch these things and they'll be there for people because again like I've talked about this I don't want to feel like I'm just creating content for the sake of it and you know you put these things on these platforms on Instagram on YouTube and then you kind of like derive them from some kind of meaning because you know the Marshall McLuhan the medium is the message and you kind of like you look at things as like YouTube videos you know no one really goes on YouTube and sort of sees the things there and thinks like oh this is you know the like the the cutting edge of like filmmaking I mean some people might and there is elements of that but you think of them as their own thing you think of them as YouTube videos they stand alone so by creating my own platform you know I'm going to be able to remove that identity of it they'll be able to stand on their own and I guess people will be able to interact with them in a way more similar to like what I really want is is to recreate that feeling of going to an art gallery going to a museum and you know experiencing the exhibits there in your own time you sign up you know you can go to the museum and it might cost you $20 or something like that or $15 to get in or you can pay $40 and you get a yearly membership like that's a common pricing structure and that's a common thing across many different types of museums and galleries and that's really the same thing I want to create is like you know the works of art don't exist outside that museum they're within that space they're curated they're tailored for you to experience within that space and that's really what I want to do in lieu of real life screenings in lieu of artworks that you can see in real life in a tangible space and that is absolutely another goal that is that is something that's coming I want to have I want to create my own exhibitions and you know previously I've been a part of group exhibitions which is really cool but there's something about that idea of just it just being your own um that's both scary and exciting and I think the the scary part is that you know you again you don't have that like crutch to stand on you you don't kind of get to like um on, on the one hand you don't kind of get to like get the benefit of other people's really good work making your work seem better than it is or on the flip side you know the less good the work is around you it kind of brings the quality of yours down it's really just your vision you know the way that you see it and the way that you want to um exhibit it to people that's all on you and that's a really exciting thing and that's i guess like the next step you know both in terms of screening films and in-person exhibitions but yeah until then like I I spent a few hours the other day working on what will be the first of my short films to be released it's called Vegas at least at this point and the format of it will be the first definitely the first four and then a larger fifth film that I will release are all works that I have filmed over the last two to three years and they are travel films but not in the sense of well definitely not in the sense of what you see on YouTube and in some ways they're almost a reaction to the kind of either postcard or you know hyper um, exciting like travel films that you see on YouTube that You know, inspired me at first, and then over time, I kind of started to feel like they were meaningless. Especially as the format became popular, like the style became popular, so people just started copying elements of the. And I did this myself. I actually made a couple films like this, but started copying elements of the films uh, without really understanding what made them good. And so you would see these travel films where, like, the shots were. Really dull and boring, or nothing was happening, or you know, compositions were really unpleasant, or there was like someone, you know, I don't know, someone eating out of the trash in the background and they didn't notice because these filmmakers didn't have that attention to detail, they were just looking at the style and creating a pastiche of it. And more and more over time, it led me to become more cynical and. You know, But it was an interesting thing for me because travel is such an, an integral part of my creative process and it's something that's really liberating for me. And when I want to go and film things when I'm traveling, I, I didn't want to feel like I couldn't do it or that I shouldn't do it because these travel films existed and they were like a brain bug kind of infecting everyone in, in online media spaces to create them uh, in that style. So just kind of organically, my style of filming them has changed and it all sort of came to a a head during a trip to Japan in 2019 where I had this um I'd come up with this new style of filming where I was just like I'm going to strip away a lot of my options and just have a really streamlined way of filming and it actually has helped me like create an entirely new style that people have started taking notice of so I have this this you know, mirrorless camera, Sony a seven III. it's about a $3,000, a two to $3,000 camera. And you know, it's pretty amazing for what it is, but it's not at the high tiers of, uh, it's not at the high tiers of like performance, but it does an amazing job for what it is. And, and, you know, for the kind of work that I do, you don't really need anything much more than that. Um, it films in 4k resolution, but only at the standard 25 frames per second but um, often we would film things like my friends and I have similar cameras. We would film things in slow motion. Um, to film things in slow motion, you don't get the 4k resolution, which is usually fine. So you're filming in a lower resolution of 1080p, which still looks really good. But something about these cameras that's really weird is like, and this is a little bit technical, but this is getting to the point of like why I made this decision, is that when you film in 1080p, regardless of the frame rate, It's a softer image, and I don't mean in terms of like there's less resolution, so it's not as sharp. That it's something to do with like the actual bit rates of the video codec make the image look more soft, and sometimes that's really nice. But what I found is that it's not a nice kind of soft, it's not like a, a film softness where there's this like organic process that's rendering images in like a soft, beautiful way. It's just like a it's like a dulling effect. It's, a, it's a very dull. So, you know, but often I would film in slow motion because, again, it was a crutch. It's like, okay, I'm going to go film this advertisement. I only have an hour or so to do it. I don't know if it's going to be very interesting and I don't think I'm going to create any very good shots. So, I'll just film it in slow motion and then to slow it down, you know, then I get more footage. So, it's pr- purely like a practical utilitarian way of shooting and you see it a lot you see it a lot in these travel films you see it a lot just in general in uh, you know these social media spaces it's that people are not sort of making a concerted effort to shoot something better there's no intentionality to it it's just a another crutch that people are relying on and because of that their work kind of suffers for it i realized this about my work and i also was disappointed in the results of um you know, filming in this lower resolution and it looking so soft. So I decided, okay, I really want to just only film things in 4k, which means I can't slow anything down. I don't have any slow motion. So I need to be more intentional about my shots. My shots need to be a bit longer or I need to frame them better. You know, you can't hide behind the slow motion effect here. And granted, I still do use it sometimes, but I don't like it as much. So I made two decisions. I decided I'm going to only shoot in 4K for a bunch of projects. And it was scary. And I'm only going to use one single lens, which is this 35 millimeter manual cinema lens by a company called SLR Magic, which are a Chinese company. And if I could describe the lens, it's, um, how would I say it? It's very imperfect. And I love it for that. It's a flawed lens. And I love that so much because the other lenses I have are native Sony lenses. They are, they're sharp. They do the job. Um, you know, they look good. They're good for corporate work, but they just lack like a character. They lack, they lack something that's like human to it. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to film only in 4k, 25 frames per second with this 35 millimeter manual lens. I don't have autofocus to rely on. I don't have slow motion. You know, I've just got to make it work with this and it was scary and the first few times i purely did that i was like oh this isn't i was worried you know i was really worried but after a while it became this like completely liberating thing and i i filmed a a documentary about a friend's band or some of my friends their their band which i haven't edited yet and i still may never edit because it was just like a it was a practice if anything but it was it was such a great experience i really enjoyed it I really enjoyed being able to get more information from the image and it being sharper and but also working with this lens that made things kind of uniquely soft and lens flares and imperfections and like the way it renders things like I just I just love it so much and and that in a way has kind of become a crutch now but I think it's it's to me it feels like such a pure way of filming and I've kind of called that like my intentional filmmaking you know filming with this one lens, and, and for those who aren't sort of cinema minded, a 35 millimeter lens is a lens that is most close to what the human eye sees, like, you know, the focal length of our eyesight. Um, it, it, it very closely replicates that. So to me, I feel like I'm not trying to just, you know, show things as they are, but I'm interested in, you know, how can we like let things play out? How can we approach things from this more almost human eye but you know focus on I guess you could almost say and and people have said this to me about my work like focus on the the mundane elements of of life but present them in a, a sort of magical way and that's what I love about cinema that's what the kind of cinema that interests me and that's why I'm so interested in in you know the slow cinema movement and films like Stalker by Andre Tarkovsky because it's like I guess you could also call it naturalistic you know the camera is not you know the the scenes are not being cut the shots are not being cut every second or every 2 seconds um and you see that a lot in you see that a lot in uh films now in cinema now like the increasing speed of edits and i again like i i don't want to think that the work that i'm doing is purely a reaction to that but i think it it is in some ways like it has to be because one way you can easily articulate things that you like is by pointing out things that you don't like and that might be sort of a negative way of doing things but I think if you're someone who wants to create art to represent you know a view of the world that you have or you know uh, some kind of understanding or to draw some kind of empathy or shine a light on something that you think is really important um if you're not seeing that represented in the in the landscape of of art and media around you of course you're going to try and represent it in the way that interests you and you know that's really the the process that I've undergone for the last definitely the last year but it's probably even more than that it's probably like a year and a half now maybe or closer to two years actually it's really interesting to think about and and at the same time you know I talk about my filmmaker colleagues and friends, like a lot of them have been upgrading their camera equipment and, you know, going down these different rabbit holes of things. And that's awesome for them, you know, more power to you the way you want to do it. But I've really found that by limiting myself and by saying like, Hey, I just want to work with this really stripped back, um, you know, this really stripped back and refined, uh, technical specification you know just like this one camera and one lens and one style of shooting I've developed this entire language that I understand and the more I've employed it the more I the more I've come to um really enjoy that and feels feel like it's it's more in line with what I want to see in the world and also how I film things because before, you know, I was just trying out other ways of doing things. I was just watching people on YouTube and looking at what my friends were doing and, and, and following their lead and copying them. And that's, that's important too, you know, you've got to learn from other people, but I guess the downside is when you're learning from only the other people around you and they're only learning from the people on YouTube who are just learning from the people on YouTube, you're really getting away from the possibilities of what, you know, film and cinema can be and what art can be in general. And that's something that I recognized and I see it in the people around me. And the more I hung out with them, the more I kind of forgot about those things, the more I cared about gear. And I don't think that's who I am at all. I don't think it ever has been who I am. So I'm glad that, and (laughs) I know it's a little bit getting away from the point, but that's, that's why I'm glad that I've spent the last sort of year, year and a half, uh, By myself and establishing my own beliefs and ideas about these things because I feel more strongly about them. I can articulate them, I can point to something and say that that is what I want to achieve, or that that is a a type of image that I'm looking to craft, you know. And I think that's only going to benefit me going forward. And coming back to the films that I'm working on a couple of them or well, the first one I filmed which is going to be the longest one it will be the last one that I release because I'm planning on releasing it uh with cinema cinema screenings like that's the plan for that one because it's going to be at least 30 minutes long and it will be definitely a new experience for me and it's I filmed it over two years ago now or uh, I finished filming it around two years ago now and it was like the largest um, amount of traveling I've done uh, with my family we went to Europe we went to went to Egypt and I filmed all these different things and I guess like it's taken me a long time to realize what it needs to be and I'm glad that I've let it sit there for a long time because if I just listen to that voice inside me that was telling me you need to cut this into a two minute thing and put it on Instagram you know two years ago I would have just moved on from the project and I think I would have been very unsatisfied with it because it would have just lived a life of you know I film like over a terabyte worth of footage I film for five weeks all these things that I think are interesting and some of them are very fascinating something some of them are more banal and mundane but to me they hold the same weight, the same, you know, power and interest in me of things that I want to represent through my image making and my filmmaking. Um, and it would just live a life as like a two minute highlights reel on Instagram. And I, I, that was the project that made me realize like, okay, this is a bigger undertaking that I realized I've just filmed it and I didn't know what it was going to be. And I maybe thought, Oh, maybe this is going to be a 10 minute film. And then a year later, end of 2019, I finally had some time to sit down and look at it. And as I was just sort of like, I just decided I'm going to sit down and just watch, watch the work because uh, October, I think it was October, 2019, I went to Japan and I only took my camera out three times, but I was implementing, you know, my, my new idea of how to film and, and sort of filming longer things and, you know, this handheld 4K, 25 frames, 35 millimeter lens, um, and also introducing a new element of this, uh, what's called a black mist filter. And I apologize if this is like really technical, but to me, it feels important to outline it. But this, this black mist filter that goes on the lens and it makes everything sort of like have this haze and like softness over it, like even more soft than it was before. And it has this most filmic look to it. And when I was filming in Japan, I filmed things. I kind of came up with this color grade and I did something different. Usually with commercials, you're wanting to go through the footage as quickly as possible, you know, and like look through everything and and find the best stuff and then cut it into something really short and as quickly as possible. But I decided I would put it all on the timeline, all of the footage, drop it all onto the timeline put a color grade on all of it and just watch it and just watch it and watch it. And um, my girlfriend and I, we just sat there and watched the day that we'd had. And it was like a really beautiful experience, like watching back over some of the, you know, just the more mundane things that we did with our day in this beautiful place. But also you know, it, it, it awakened something profound within me that went like, oh, I need to take time with things. I need to watch, I need to watch things back at length. I need to process them. I need to like understand, you know, what this is and how I feel about it, as opposed to the idea of just racing through everything. So it was like an understanding that, oh, my commercial approach and mindset can't work here. I can't do that. Or I will kind of not know what this work needs to be, I will reduce it to something that's, you know, a sad sort of parody of what it could be. And I'm, and I, and I'm talking about these things like they're, you know, and I guess no one's ever going to sort of talk up their own work that much. And like, I, I'm really happy with them. I think where they're at, they look really amazing, but I'm also, they are, they are what they are. You know, I'm not going to pretend like this is like the most beautiful cinematography that I've ever shot in my life because that wasn't the intention the intention was to sort of capture this feeling of this place and to translate the 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 feeling of what it's like to exist um and to see these places and I I mean I can't even articulate it now that's probably even a part of like the artistic process is like you don't even really know where it comes from it comes from a subconscious but that that process of you know sitting down and watching things at length, it was just so profound to me that I went back to the stuff that I'd filmed a year previously in, in Europe and Egypt. And I, I realized, oh, this isn't a two minute or a 10 minute film. This is a 30 minute film. This is maybe longer. I don't even know how long this needs to be because that was my problem. I was like, how do I translate these like hundreds and hundreds, like over a thousand unique video clips and some of it shot on digital but some of it was even shot on film cameras like how do I how do I translate that into something in a few minutes and it's not meant to be I realized that and that was a profound thing as well and I realized god this is going to be a huge undertaking and that was exciting to me because I I understood something something clicked at that moment because I'd given myself the time and, and not being not being around other people telling me how it should be or social media telling me like whether it's explicitly or inexplicitly through like just the types of short videos that you see that it should be a certain type of way cut to a certain type of upbeat music and you should have these certain types of effects in it you know and then I started realizing wow I think I need to write some things for this I think I have some expressions you know I write I don't want to say I write poetry but I I journal a lot and every now and then there's something in there that I think is poetic or or necessary to express and I um I feel like I need to implement that in some way and those end up in the films and I, I guess coming back to it the first film that I'm going to release the one that's closest to finished is called Vegas and it's a trip I took in early January, 2020 with my family to Las Vegas and the surrounding area. And again, I was just sort of experimenting with ways of filming things. And I didn't really have like a plan that I didn't really set out to think like, Oh, I want to, um, you know, film these specific landmarks. I want to show off Vegas. It's not a tourism work. It's not a postcard. It is a it is a journal and it is a, a psychological one at that and so I've written some poetry I've voiced it myself and it's yeah it's quite a moody thing I, I think I don't know I don't know um, what to liken it to I can't really say um, I guess like my if you uh, like my inspiration for the longest time has been André Tarkovsky and the French filmmaker Chris Marker, who kind of popularize the idea of like the video essay and like the travel video essay and I guess you could say it it draws from his work in a way but I still don't think that I'm kind of representing things in the same way and sometimes I see his work and I go oh why doesn't mine look like that but again like you can't be completely influenced by these other people you've kind of just got to let it be what it's going to be and you know I'm excited to put it out into the world I'm excited to launch the website and have a place for people to purchase and view my work and um by the time you're listening to this it may very well be out already i'm not sure when this episode is being released but um i guess like the intention was to release the film early january or at least early 2021 and that's sort of a launching off point like a drawing of a line in the sand saying okay cool I'm working on these things they're real I know I've been talking about them for a long time and they just take time it's true like things just take time and not being on social media you don't feel that that pressure to just have to um get something out all the time especially when it's something personal when it's something that's coming from somewhere deeper inside you than just oh hey I filmed this thing you know it's not going to be your standard travel video and I, I like it for that. I like it as a document that's kind of a reaction to the fast-paced nature of both the world and the media that we consume. I like it as a you know a a sort of a treatise on memory my own memories and like you know how we experience things and like I I have such a um, internal battle and I think the film's kind of have this sense of, and all of my work has a sense of like anxiety to it. Like, you know, I'm such a, you would think a laid back person and I, and I have a, a calming voice and a calming influence, but within me, there's always a, a battle raging between those, those two sides, you know, the, the head and the heart, if you will. And I think you see that in my work. I think like the work itself draws you in with the sense of the heart, like the heart kind of like, is the reason why things feel so, so soft and I guess melancholy uh, are words people have, have labeled mine as grounded is another great one that a friend is, uh, you know, uh, recently, my friend Jaden recently, uh, expressed to me, he said, your work is always so grounded. And I thought that was a really beautiful way of, um, expressing what I do but within within the work itself there is kind of a a little bit of a storm raging and and I don't think it ever manifests as like intensity but I think there is sort of an intensity to what I choose to show and sort of like I guess you could even say like the uh the nature of like the handheldness of it the the shakiness of the camera like things like this that I've begun to embrace like sort of throwing away an idea of perfection in favor of, you know, just this raw, um, sort of like honest expression, like, this is how I filmed it, this is what it is. I I shouldn't paper over it with some kind of like, you know, digital stabilization. I shouldn't try and like just represent the perfect shots because sometimes you miss you miss things. And I love seeing this in movies now. I love watching sort of like films from the 70s and 80s and even up to the 90s and probably a lot earlier ones where you know they've learned how to introduce things like camera movement and they're they're on dollies or cranes or some kind of like steady cam or stabilizer and you see like there's these like really smooth shots and then like the camera will be bumped on something or some like organic element will be introduced to the shot where the camera kind of moves in a, in a more jerky fashion and it's just really small it's not the kind of thing that I think most people would notice but I love that I love the the accidental removal of the artifice the artifice sorry of film and like kind of remembering that you're in inside of a film you know that you're watching something that's constructed it's not reality and sometimes like you know people talk about work uh like David Fincher's work and uh is another one i guess you could look at people like you know more blockbuster like avengers marvel type um filmmakers like the sort of perfection of it and i guess star wars to an extent as well but original star wars didn't really employ this as much because it was more about like it being an honest um sort of like an honest artwork i guess but they're so like perfect like david finch's work and these these marvel films these disney films like they're so perfect that i I I hate it like I hate that the camera work is so precise I hate that it's so like perfectly you know um rendered that it kind of like takes this to me it just takes me out of it because it it's like too con- the film is too concerned with being perfect for its own good if you watch I mean there's a billion and one like you could say imperfect filmmakers but you watch Paul Thomas Anderson's work and like the way his camera moves and like the naturalistic lighting and the, the imperfections, the lens flares, like the things that he does in films like punch drunk love and there will be blood. Like that is to me, that is like exciting. Like that is, it's not just gritty. Like, it's just like, you remember you're watching a film and I love that. You remember that there was human beings involved in this process. It wasn't just artificial intelligence and robots and CGI rendering. And, you know, that makes me think, um, of Alien. I recently rewatched Alien. I bought the 4K Blu-ray of it this year and holy shit, that movie looks amazing. The first time I watched it and the only other time I watched it was on my laptop like five years ago. And I thought it looked amazing then, but like, oh my God, the miniatures, the lighting. But to me, the thing that stood out so much is like, you've got this amazing set, this amazing set design. They've lit it in these incredibly like gloomy, like, you know, dark grim, dark future ways. Um, but the camera, like the camera is, is moving on cams, but it's not perfect either. Like it bumps over things and there's little wobbles in it. And I just, I loved that. I loved that you would have this like perfectly crafted movie and then have this human element in it. And that's really what that movie is about. It's about like humanity in the face of like this inhuman terror, you know, well, that's a, a reading of it and like it's it's only through humanity that we can survive because this this thing this alien the xenomorph is this perfect killing machine it's perfect in the way that it doesn't have any trace of humanity it doesn't have like a sense of you know family or or care or community or anything like that it 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 destroys and it kills and it breeds and that's really it you know and i think that's that kind of gets to like the body horror element of it and there's a lot of things in that movie you know surrounding like ideas of uh like pregnancy and and sex and i think it's like really fascinating that the camera and the way the camera works wow i was hoping there would be thunder and lightning during this and as we're nearing the end there was that definitely scared me for a moment (laughs) Uh, but see, okay, here we go. That That's removing the artifice from this podcast, like keeping the rain in and keeping, you know, the thunder in. I think that's, that's really what I'm interested in as a filmmaker. And it was great to see that in a movie like Alien. Just these little things that, you know, just add to it. They don't take away from it. It doesn't take away from it that you notice that it's a movie. I watched the movie Love recently by Gaspar Noé. And I also a few months ago, watched his film Climax. And he's like a, he's a French director who's known for just trying to create, I guess, work that just shocks and appalls audiences. That's always been his, uh, modus operandi. And I thought Love was really amazing. It's best known, uh, for its unsimulated sex scenes. Like the movie opens with the main, actors having sex with each other and it's real it's it's not uh you know there's no camera trickery um there's no cgi it's like real and that's a really fascinating concept because i guess in a way that that kind of sets you up for understanding that you're removing the artifice from the movie and i thought it was like a really like not just that itself but so many other ways that he tells you that you're watching a movie and because you're watching a movie you're you're not taken out of it it's not like actors breaking the fourth wall or something which is rarely done that's never done accidentally that's always done intentionally but it's literally you are watching a movie and he's reminding you that you're watching a movie so because of that you're actually able to engage with it on the fact that it's a movie you're not escaping into some fantasy world the whole time you're watching it especially when there's you know 15 to 20 minute long extended sex scenes that are just playing out in front of you you have a lot of time to think about how you feel about things and how you're processing things and I think it's incredibly powerful one of my favorite things that he's he does and I've seen it in both of the films that I've watched of him climax and love is that halfway through or like partway through scenes he will just like cut to black for a second or for a few frames and then come back to the same scene and it's not like he's cutting to black and then you're going to a different scene or he's cutting to black and you're going to a different shot. He's literally just putting a black frame or, or, you know, a second worth of black frame in between the same shot and the same sequence that's playing out. And again, it just kind of like, it doesn't take you out of the film. It reminds you that you're watching a film and it makes you start paying attention more. And I thought it was like really beautiful because he would, he would also do these other things like he's in the movie playing an art gallery owner who's literally like a trumped up version of himself and he's criticizing himself he's criticizing the audience but he's also like telling you exactly what he wants and what he believes throughout the whole movie whether it's whether it's him saying that you know blood and tears and sex is like the the essence of life and that's what he wants to make movies about and that's what his characters are saying and that's what the movie is about or he's saying he wants to make a movie about sentimental sexuality and you see that and you like you could kind of laugh because you think like oh you know what a what a silly like thing for him to like have a character in the movie say what the movie's about but it's I don't know to me it was just such a like transcendent experience it was such a beautiful experience and it's not like it it like takes you away from the fact that you you've watched a two hour movie or over two hour long movie where half the movie is just people having sex and the rest of the movie is just sort of like looking at people talking from behind (laughs) there are some some close-ups of people but i think it like it really reminds you that you're watching a movie and that there's something that he's trying to say and there's it doesn't detract from it that he's explicit about it it doesn't detract that he's saying you know, this is how I think it should be, or this is what I believe. I think it actually, it benefits the film. And I took so much away from it. And I was really like, you know, pondering about the nature of life and and love and, and sex and sexuality. And I, I, I just think it was like incredibly powerful. Um, I think if you watch that film uninitiated, I think it can be kind of difficult, but because I'd watched climax previously, which is, also probably even more so like incredibly intense and um messed up but he used similar techniques like the black frames between things and then like the really long unedited you know scenes of like violence or 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 sexuality or in the case of climax like people people dancing and and uh like partying um it's just yeah it's really revelatory i think i think it was an incredible film and yeah it can be definitely extreme like you've got to go into it knowing that you're going to be watching you know something extreme like I don't want to say it's pornography because to me it doesn't it doesn't have like the artifice of pornography like the the film is telling you what it is it's not ashamed of what it is and Gaspar Noé is not ashamed of who he is either and this is what he wants to see and I think yeah that's that's a really cool thing and you know that that idea of like removing the artifice and reminding you that you're watching a film I think is incredibly powerful and I think that's why on another on another way of looking at it I think that's why people really like YouTube videos and um, you know Twitch and podcasts and like part of it is just we're so atomized as a society that we spend a lot of time alone and it's just a lot more easier and convenient to have these parasocial relationships with people you know on our phones and on our screens where they talk to us and we even though we wouldn't admit it to ourselves but we definitely feel like we understand them and they understand us and we are friends even though we aren't and you know I've had a lot of um, interesting thoughts about that as well but I think that's that's something is like that's the reason why it's become so popular is because you're removing the artifice of okay, here's like a story and you have to immerse yourself in the story. You're just dropped into someone else's life and you're just watching them eat food. You're watching them do their laundry. You're watching them make a video. You're watching them paint something. You're watching them do whatever it is. And I, you know, it's, I don't know how to feel about it because one part of me is like, okay, I think, you know, you really need to limit your um, intake of these things because it will drive you insane and you will stop being able to empathize with real people and you'll start just like processing things and and i've been in this position processing things from like this is what my internet friends say so that's what's right and that's how i should live your life and i don't think that's very constructive i think that's actually like really damaging to like social cohesion and like your ability to interact with other people and for a lot of people like you know there has been a there, there is a rising uh mental health um crisis there is a lot of depression there is a lot of anxiety there are a lot of people just spending a lot more time alone like i know people in my own town that won't leave their house to hang out with people they're friends they just won't do it and you can invite them as much as you want but they won't do it and it's like well what do you do do you do you go over their house do you force them to come out and be friends they're much more comfortable just posting about it on the internet and like they will have like zoom calls with their friends this is not someone i'm friends with but someone i know they'll have zoom calls with their friends and they'll like play games and stuff together online but they won't do it in person they live in the same town this is not a big town this is a very small town i mean it's dangerous and i'm not trying to say like oh it's because of youtube it's because of twitch or podcasts or whatever that that's why People are having these problems. It's a part of it. You know, it's a part of it, and it's more about like our material conditions, our, our actual real life is that it's not as easy to hang out with people. It's not, it's become more difficult and more challenging to do that as our lives have become more and more off, uh, more and more online. We are becoming, I guess, I, I don't think he coined this, but Matt Christman from Chapo calls it homo economicus which is like we are becoming just literally purely neoliberal subjects where we are everything becomes transactional you know and it becomes a case of like why would I go and hang out with someone in person it could be awkward it might not be that easy what if we don't have a good time when I know I can sit down and watch five YouTube videos and I know I will reach some kind of pleasure like that and it's really hard to turn the pleasure machine off like and it's, it's not a very good kind of pleasure, but it is pleasure nonetheless. And the more you sink into it, the more depressed you get, the more alienated from other people, the more depressed and anxious you get. So you continue to seek that pleasure in easier places for you. And that becomes your phone, your computer, your TV. So, yeah, that's, I think, a little bit of a diatribe about where we're at. And, and I, I say all of these things. To point them out because they're all things that I've gone through in the last couple of years and felt and I've really felt that alienation and like I and, I, and I'm thinking about maybe maybe I'll record some episodes with him maybe not I'm not really worried either way but I um, ran into a friend named Ty who I went to high school with and yeah we've been hanging out every now and then and we just talked like the last two times we've hung out we just talked for six hours straight. And just laughed and like told all these like stories about our lives. And it's like, it's really amazing that that is possible because I have other friends where we'll hang out and it's like, we'll look at, they'll look at their phones. Like, I don't really do it anymore. They'll look at their phones and we don't really have anything to say and there's nothing to talk about. It's like, what? Like, how is that possible? And it's because similar to me, like he's realized that he wants to live a more like, I don't know what you call it just like a lifestyle where you actually connect with people where you actually have good people in your life and you enjoy their company and you do things together and you you have a good friendship or a good relationship and yeah it's like it's it's exciting to have someone like that in my life because it's been a long time you know especially living alone and and just being also when I when I still lived and hung out with and worked in the same spaces as a lot of other filmmakers that can be incredibly atomizing and depressing as well because it becomes increasingly transactional all that matters is like what projects are you working on what gear are you buying you know what are you doing at the moment we need to look at everything through the lens of filmmaking whereas with someone like ty we just hang out because we're both really curious people we both like humor we both like you know enjoying life which is not something i would have said a few years ago i don't think i liked enjoying life i think i enjoyed being miserable but i don't enjoy being miserable anymore i'm completely aware of that so it's yeah it's a it's a lot of a it's a lot nicer experience and i would i would say not that i always feel like i need to give advice or that i necessarily feel like i am the person to give advice anyway I would say that um look around you look at the people around you put your screens down and just try and reconnect with people or connect with people in a way that maybe you haven't for a long time if you feel that within yourself like that's missing if you feel like you've got all the things you want in your life all the stuff you can watch all the shows you want at any moment but you still feel like some kind of like hollowness or sadness it's what's missing is community like it's that simple and it's and you hear it so much like you hear it it, it's another cliche but it really is that simple and you can look around you and you can find people even in tiny small towns you know you can catch up with and if they A flaky if they bail a few times if it doesn't work out don't use that as an excuse to just completely give up on them you know to say oh well screw them or like that's it I tried to go out into the world and it didn't work out like it doesn't that's not how real life works like real life things change things happen you know people aren't always available you can't always hang out with people for six hours but when you can fucking take that opportunity um, I'm going to leave it there today, folks. The rain has definitely stopped. Um, and I'm very surprised I spoke for an hour without anything in front of me. But I'm very pleased because I think this was a strong episode. Um, like I said, I'm sure at this point you've probably seen the Vegas film or it's come out. But if you haven't, you know, you can go check it out. On my website links will be in the description. Uh, and uh, yeah, just... Take it easy. Go out and see some friends. Go out and see some people. It'll be worth it. I hope you have a great day, night, week, weekend, whatever it is. Um, And I'll speak to you on the next one. All right, bye. Thank you for listening to The Mirror. The Mirror seeks to provoke questions around the way we create and experience art and it's my sincere hope that in some way it helps you in your own creative practice, and perhaps, your life beyond. If this project reaches you in some way, helps you reflect or reframe, or indeed provokes any kind of feelings within you, I'd love to hear from you about it via the contact form on my website. I really appreciate your engagement with The Mirror. You can support me and the work that I do by becoming a sustaining member for as little as $40 a year, by signing up at justinreed.com.au You will help me continue to create exceptional work, feel great about directly funding compelling art, and you'll also receive a bunch of great benefits, including access to exclusive films, artworks, and behind-the-scenes material on my membership platform that you can't experience anywhere else, discounts on my online store, and higher-tier subscribers even get free access to all of my premium films before anyone else. So become a sustaining member and sign up at justinreed.com.au You can also support the show by subscribing to my YouTube channel and listening to full episodes of The Mirror There, complete with meditative, original visuals created just for this project. Our fantastic music is written, produced, and performed by Annalisa Vetrugno with drums contributed by Giacomo Greco. All of these details and links are included in the episode description. And until next time, I hope you're out there creating great work on your terms. I'm Justin Reed, and you have been listening to The Mirror.